0: Go ahead and take your speed up your number one now. Runway on like Third Land Green Dot. Welcome to Oshkosh, guys. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Green Dot, EAA's podcast for anyone and everyone who loves aviation. The Green Dot, proudly sponsored by GE Aviation. This is uh, truly a special episode. We're recording this live during uh, AirVenture Oshkosh 2019. I'm looking out at the crowd, I'm seeing a few people who might be having a good time. I like the sound of that. I'm one of your hosts, Hal Bryan. I'm EAA's Senior Editor for Print and Digital Content and Publications. And down at the, (laughs) thank you for that. You do sport aviation? Uh, I do indeed. Really? Yeah, the good parts,
1: Okay. which is (laughs) the whole thing. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And on the other end of the table, uh, stepping out from behind the soundboard and onto the mic, Ty?
1: Ty Windisch, uh, EAA's Assistant Editor and the AV Today Editor.
0: So, if you're enjoying the newspaper every day, you've got Ty to thank. So, all right, now for the uh, the important part, uh, a special guest, a man who who deserves every possible introduction we can come up with, but really needs none of them. Bert Rutan. Bert, thank you so much for taking some time. Great to
2: be here. Great to be here. I uh, I first came to Oshkosh. I first came to Oshkosh in 1971 which so I think might have been the second or third year that it was Oshkosh. Yeah, uh, so before we, that, it was in Rock.
0: Yeah, so we Rockford, started here in yeah. 1970. We did, uh, we 70, did one yeah, little okay. stint in Oshkosh so in So it was the second
2: year that, that the Oshkosh convention was wow. held. And uh, uh, by, m- by my count, this is either my 39th or 40th uh, convention. Uh, I had never skipped two in a row but I have not been here for four years. Oh, we are so, so excited to have you uh, back. And and you you will understand why I miss three years in a row if you come to my talk on Friday in the theater in the woods. <laughs>
0: that sounds really intriguing. Enough said. Enough said. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well great show everybody. Uh, <laughs> this is terrific. Um, Bert, I wanna, I wanna jump back just a little bit uh, uh, well, actually a little ways to the, the beginning. Do you have a specific sort of first memory of aviation as a little kid?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my brother is five years older than me. Right. Okay. And not nearly as good looking. Um, well, it depends on who you talk to. <laughs> <laughs> when people come up to my brother and say, are, are, are you Bert Rutan? He says, no, but I used to sleep with him. <laughs> um, he's, he's five years older and uh, you know he did a full air force career and then he worked for me for a while and uh, he and I are given a talk jointly tonight at 8 o'clock in theater in the woods and it's really rare that we rarely do something together uh, we did a talk together just yesterday at the museum at the, at the Voyager in the museum and uh, that was that was a lot of fun, but at any rate, um, he would he did some model airplane stuff. Okay, they were like building uh, control line kits airplanes. Uh, he once tried to radio control because he thought, as a fighter pilot, he can fly anything. <laughs> and you guys that know about uh, a pattern ship, radio control. It's very humiliating to take the best pilot in the world and hand him a transmitter, right? (laughs) Uh, But anyway, bottom line, when he'd crash, I I don't know this from memory. I know this because my mother told me about it. But I would pick up the pieces of that and with glue make a different kind of an airplane. (laughs) So that's, that's where they told me that it started. Now, I... I, uh, after that and all the way up through uh, pretty much through when I left for college I did competitive uh, uh, model airplane stuff the nationals for example 1960 I come back with a bunch of trophies and the WAM meets in San Francisco area the Western Associated modelers I, I really had a thrill of the fact that even being a junior or a senior, based on age group, that I could compete with the adults in in things like uh, carrier and and um, which is a more demanding of the control line sports. So, uh, to me, I, I got ingrained this uh, thing about not just we fly uh, model airplanes, not just because they're fun, but real early as as a as a uh, you know, 11, 12-year-old and so on. Uh, I, I flew model airplanes to win, to win competitions and to come home with a trophy. And, and to me, winning was, was the reason for doing that. The joy of flying a model airplane was not th- the reason that I did it.
0: That's very interesting. I wonder how many of those people back then look back and say, "Well, if I had to be beaten by somebody,"
2: well, let me ask the audience: How many of you flew model airplanes in the nineteen fifties? Nineteen fifties. What what did you fly? Free flight. Okay, I I competed in in uh, many free flight events, the nationals. I won the FAI uh, 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 free flight contest. I I I won uh, free flight scale. And uh, I, when I did that stuff, the radio control guys would almost invariably come back home with wreckage because the radios were so bad. So I didn't do radio control until uh, much later. But I, I did, I did uh, free flight and control line, that sort of stuff.
1: So Bert. How did you then transition from competing with the models and building those to flying and building the uh, slightly larger aircraft?
2: Well, the sound of freedom. You're um, here. I'm. Uh, I, I was very different than my brother. He wanted to fly. He wanted to be a. He wanted. To, he joined the air force. He doesn't admit it, but he was a navigator at first because they weren't taking pilots. (laughs) Uh, Dick and I went to the Air Force Museum uh, earlier this year and uh, we looked at the airplanes that we had worked uh, on and and, him him in the 50s and me in the 60s and they opened them up for us. Oh, wow. So it was fantastic. Um, But so he was all about about being the velvet arm, being the best pilot in the world. And I was all about making airplanes better, okay? In other words, making the airplane better, he was thinking uh, to be the best pilot. Sure. I can remember the moment in which I decided that my lifetime career is gonna be designing airplanes. I was in my backyard. I was testing <laughs> I was testing a small balsa wood model, and i was about i I think it was about ten or eleven years <laughs> old and uh I heard this 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 <coughs> I heard this run uh, this wonderful rumble, and it got louder, louder. And right over my house was a formation of B-36 bombers. And those airplanes uh, didn't go up in the stratosphere like bombers did later. Uh, you know, they're all uh, unboosted controls, and non-pressurized. You know, they flew around at low altitudes. And you put a bunch of B-36s. Uh, I can't remember whether it was two or three. It doesn't really matter. But you put a formation of B-36s, and if they fly over you and there's nothing else going on like, like F-22s, <laughs> um, it it's mesmerizing even today.
0: I can't imagine. Uh, and
2: right then, I remember... Saying, I, uh, that's what I want to do is to design airplanes.
0: Well, thank goodness you did. But I can't imagine what that sound must have been like B 36 is, something with 10 engines roaring over your head. That had to be incredible.
2: You know, I'm not sure, but I think these were the ones without the jets. Oh, before
0: the jets? Yeah. Yep. So only six engines. Then. Yeah.
2: Well, we're talking about 1953, 54, sure. something like that. Yeah. So
0: uh, over the last uh, several months, as Ty and I work on Sport Aviation Magazine.
2: whole lot of freedom today. There's there. a lot of
0: freedom today.
2: You know, I want to point something out about these things. Can, can I kind of go around the barn shortly? <laughs> Knock yourself out. Are we impressed by the performance of these airplanes? How many are? I'm not clapping because I'm not impressed at all. When I came to Edwards Air Force Base in 1965 (laughs) to do flight testing of Air Force airplanes, and I did that because I wanted to learn about airplanes. And the better, best way to learn about them is, is to flight test them. So I flight tested Air Force airplanes uh, from 65 to 72, essentially the Vietnam War era. And you know, we had an F-10. <laughs> I did several programs with the F-4 Phantom. We had the 105, which had already been tested and gone. And I can name about six airplanes that were in flight tests while I was there at Edwards that were, had exactly the same performance as our latest fighters, right? Um, I watched the first takeoff of a B-70 my first week on the job. And I watched it close up. A you know, B-70 is a giant airplane. And uh, if you're interested in that, you might uh, uh, be there at 1 o'clock in theater in the woods. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. (laughs) Uh, Right outside my window were some V8 car engines going through the gears. They were Buick engines, high-powered Buick engines. And they'd run through the gears, and they were turning a shaft to mechanically turn the engines on an A-12. You know what an A-12 is? <laughs> the SR-71, uh, by the pilots that flew, uh, that flew both the A-12 and the SR-71, the SR-71 is a family model. <laughs> and the A-12 is the hot rod. And those were cranking up right outside my window. Wow! Mach 3 airplanes, so OK? And, and uh, uh, where's our Mach 3 bomber and fighter today?
0: That was my question. So, where, where
2: how we the be? can you be impressed <laughs> that 54 years ago, when I started my first job right out of college, 54 years ago, it's almost halfway back to the Wright brothers, that we had higher performance airplanes than these things that you say you're impressed by. What the hell are you thinking? <laughs> now, another thing, everybody said, oh, oh, but Bert, you're right about performance, but these airplanes are stealthy, right? They have better radios. And I said, well, wait a minute. All airplanes were stealth before they invented radar.
0: <laughs> so Bert, I have to ask. Uh, if you were to put out a challenge today to uh, military aircraft designers or aerospace engineers, and so what would what would your impossible challenge be?
2: You're saying if I if I was if I was a, a secretary of defense, sure, uh, go, who who is on good speaking terms with the president? <laughs> yes, let's say what you were president. Let's well, I'll tell you, you what, president. I expected that long before now, a military airplane would go in and out of the atmosphere to fight, at least. Right? That's not hard. I did it, I did it with a home-built airplane. <laughs> That's true. And, and I'll tell you, you will not believe how small of a team I did that with until after you see my talk at one o'clock in the <laughs> Theater of the Woods. I'm hoping to fill the house, so, you know.
0: So Bert, there's something that I've been wanting to ask you for a while, and that is, uh, over the past few months, uh, Ty and I and the rest of our team working on Sport Aviation Magazine and all the other content that we do, we're talking a lot about, of course, 50 consecutive conventions here in Oshkosh, and it's impossible to tell that story without saying, we can't even talk about, well, in the 1970s, this happened. In the 1970s, Bert showed up with the Very vegan. In the 1980s, he came back with Voyager and flew around the world. Uh, it's, your your achievements are inextricably tied to the history of what we do here. What I would wonder is, uh, if you'll indulge me for just a minute, if you could go back in time, which if anybody's gonna invent a time machine, I have no idea who else might put my money on it. If you go back in time to, to uh, Bert in 1972, 73 or so, here at Oshkosh with the very Vigan, if you said, you're gonna come back here in 30 years with a spaceship, what do you think young, younger Bert would say?
2: I, I had trouble getting my employees to think that I wasn't smoking something. <laughs> uh, uh, here's, the, here's another thing that had that helped me to be at Edwards Air Force Base for that seven years i didn't work the program but the xb70 excuse me the x15 was right in the middle of its 10 years of flight test the x15 was launched from a b52 and on uh two consecutive flights in 1963 it actually flew above 100 kilometers and joe walker who later on ran his F-104 into a B-70, but um, There's there's two flights the X-15 flew that were legitimate Real space flights because they flew above 63 miles Uh, After doing a bunch of airplanes I Sorted out ways to do that flight without using Canal structures and 1,400 pounds per square foot dynamic pressure on it uh, by doing a, a very simple general aviation airplane with a very throaty rocket motor, which I tried to buy at a store so I had to make my own. <laughs> and i thought that this was going to be easy and i think the people around me thought that we probably can't do this but it'll be fun to try Um, i um one of the biggest problems in that is i had to build my own b52
0: and there it is uh, white knight pictured on the board right over there That that airplane's
2: in Paul Allen's museum now, the White Knight. By the way, the engines in that are exactly the same engines that are in that real loud, after-burning T-38 that you heard breaking our eardrums yesterday. Same engines. I got them on eBay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that was kind of fun. The Most significant thing about my B-52 is that airplane has all of the systems that are in the spaceship, except for the rocket motor. the Environmental control system is, uh, that airplane, which only goes to 53,000 feet or so, has a space qualified cabin. It's exactly the same as the spaceship cabin. It has, right down to the part number, the same switches and valves and components that are used in a spaceship. And that let me uh, use the, uh, my B-52 to test my X-15 <laughs> before we flew the X-15. That's perfect. Now, now, I'll tell you, looking back at the struggles that Sir Richard Branson is, is doing, having now, with uh, two airplanes that I did not design, and that is the White Knight 2. That's not my design. And the Spaceship 2. I did preliminary concept sketches for those and handed them off to the engineers who should get the credit for designing them and do. Uh, Bob Morgan designed the, uh, the White Knight 2. He did a great job on it. It doesn't look like anything that, that I thought it should look like, and he was right. The Spaceship Two was designed by Jim Tye, T-I-G-H-E. God, that's awful. A guy leaves and goes to work on electric hovering things and you forget his name. (laughs) Um, In those days, uh, trying to do those things after Spaceship One, I was intent on not being the designer of the rest of the airplanes. Why is that? Well, I didn't want to leave and say, gee, what scale do now? They don't have any designers. Well, of course they do. Uh, I did the preliminary designs of most of these 49 airplanes. I did the detailed designs of about half of them, but, but the press uh, was not giving appropriate credit to the, to the very good designers that work for me so i thought it was very important to to i don't want any airplane to be a Burt Rutan design after 2004 spaceship one sure now i blew that uh, in the last few months of my retirement because i absolutely was salivating to fly a flying car before i retired <laughs> so the the bipod is is, is certainly mine uh, not just not just design and detailed design, but I, I got in the shop and, and, uh, and did a lot of the work building it, too, which was cool. But um, uh, the bottom line here, if we look back at it after the Spaceship Two, White Knight Two experience, every time we turn around, you say, my God, we were either very lucky or very good on Spaceship One.
0: I know where my money is. That,
2: uh, I laid out a program for a manned space program, and a manned space ship, and I laid out how many flights we would think we would need to do for envelope expansion in order to go to space. Sure. And to make my good friend Paul Allen, who who died last year, to make to make uh, to make him his legacy being part of the first non-government manned spacecraft, right? And it is. He's got a Collier Trophy. Not often that the bank gets a Collier Trophy, right? <laughs> but we insisted that he get a Collier Trophy because it wouldn't happen without, without his vision. So uh, I, um, when we actually executed that program, Now you expect that you will have problems and you will fly more test flights and you'll have more Incidences or whatever That program was executed with exactly the same number of flights I'm talking about rocket flights That we had estimated was a minimum amount that was Logical to do for safety, and we executed that. Wow.
0: Now, speaking of your designs, Ty, you had a really interesting question uh, that we talked about earlier.
1: Yeah, I mean, just you—you you mentioned, you know, so many that you had designed. So many have been built and flown, from the very big end to Spaceship One. But I've read that there's hundreds of other ones that never ended up getting flown. I know people ask you about your favorite. That I'm going to talk
2: about those numbers. Okay. One o'clock today? one o'clock? The last, uh, you know, when I do a preliminary design to a requirement, and it might be just some sketches and a three view and say what the goals are because there may be a customer for it, Mm -hmm. right? I, I just put a number on it. The most recent number is 388. And it's actually something that does what all these electric hovering things uh are trying to do but it does it very different okay uh and we it, can it, it's just, you can learn about that i'm not going to build it i mean i've i've breathed so much carbon fiber and foam dust uh, and i'm 76 now uh, trying to do ski goal that i just i i can't get out there and build anymore uh and uh, is trevor here My helper on Ski goal? No, I guess he's not. I, I told him this would be boring. Don't come to it.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Bert. We appreciate uh, that review. The Green Dot. Boring, rate, but come
2: anyway. Well, I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I thought Green Dot was one of these uh, alarmist things or something.
0: You pulled up out there, and you said, I'm the biggest no, fan all of I knew. your show.
2: I, all I knew, we're oh, going to do an interview heart. with you with, a, with Greenies. Well, <laughs> no, that's all I knew. And then Before we show I up wearing blue. Really? Uh, so I apologize for that. Oh, no, no apologies. I didn't know that you were sport aviation. I, I, would, have, I would have shown up early <laughs> if I had known that. Uh, uh, Let's see, where so, was So how do you I? think it's going so far? Uh, it's okay. No, no, I was, I was getting to a real fun, important point and we I forgot talking about what it was.
1: All of your favorite designs, yeah. uh, Oh, most oh the numbers the Schigo, yeah. Okay. The numbers, yeah.
2: Okay. Well I I I showed you I I I'm gonna share with you the uh the photographs and the first flight dates of forty nine airplanes. Um, the the ones that didn't get flown. Yes. Uh, now, first of all, the the 388 are all manned research airplanes. I, I'm I'm not I don't count drones and, and model airplanes and so the overall number. I don't is count high the unmanned stuff. You know, I'm an okay. old school guy that thinks that's worth sacrificing a human. To, uh, by the way, we never did that. Never never had a never injured a test pilot while I was while I was working scale and I'm really <laughs> proud of that and uh and the reason we didn't is because they were my best friends and and i always had all of my people uh question the safety and never ever defend it but but uh the other number uh excuse me Well oh, also uh the 388 does not count uh things that i uh, am not allowed to talk about sure you know and uh the 49 manned research airplanes do not account, or do, do, are, are just... I, the I, public ones. I, bottom line, I'm not supposed to say anything, so I won't, okay? Sounds good. And when I can, I will, I will write an article for sport aviation.
0: I can't wait to edit that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We, we, have a, we have a bleep button we can use in print as yeah. well, so okay. you're free to yeah. go.
2: Uh, I would love to talk about it, because the thing, the thing that I'm, I'm uh, equally or even more proud of is what I was able to do for America's national security. Another thing I found that I, I didn't realize, see, I have a 21-hour drive from Mojave to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And uh, I didn't even look in the rearview mirror at Mojave driving And a 21-hour drive with your wife you have a lot of time to talk about things And one of the things I talked to her about was Well, what did I really do? I'm retired now. I'm done. What did I really do and what was important? And I came up with something that I thought was really important and I'd never even thought about it ever before And that is back there it, by the way, this was when jobs were really uh, a problem. They, they aren't now, but jobs were a big problem in, in 2011. Uh, the thing is, back there in Mojave, are 320 employees and a large percent of them have families, and every one of them pays taxes. Every one of them pays taxes. And when my employees pay taxes, it reduces the burdens on your taxes, your taxes, everybody else's taxes, right? So anyway, that's what I'm proud of.
0: Well, Bert, and you now,
2: after I left, uh, that number grew, uh, grew to 550 people.
1: It's impressive. Yep.
0: That is amazing. And, and Bert, beyond those, those jobs, and it's, uh, it's inspiring to hear uh, how you look back on that and, and that contribution, but uh, you've also, through your kit designs, you have enabled uh, countless people to fly, you've inspired millions of others to fly, to challenge themselves, to build, to, to push harder. Uh, from from a, a very vegan to a spaceship in, in 30 years is, is staggering. I want to say it, it will be forever unequaled, but we both hope it, somebody will equal that one day
2: was, what, would I, I'm, somebody I'm just do talking. That
0: somebody? I don't really yeah. have a question. I, I'm just okay. acknowledging the fact that yeah. Uh, yeah. that you have done so much for this uh, for our world of sport aviation, and yeah. and I, I,
2: I you know you know something that that thing's like a big deal to you. It, it does seem like a big it's deal. Very to me. big into Spaceship One and doing all these airplanes and one a year and whatever. Uh, it's almost nothing compared to what this country did to go from flying a monkey on a suborbital flight to having uh, Alan Shepard playing golf on the moon. You're and, here. You know, uh, how, how many of you people are aware that the biggest milestone in our lifetimes and probably our children's lifetimes, the biggest milestone had a 50 anir- a 50 year anniversary on Saturday. How many how many people are aware of that? Okay. Uh I'm going to tell you uh because I I did uh, for a while, not so much nowadays, but I I did become a a space geek. <laughs> and you know, I watched all this happen the, the uh, uh the early suborbital Redstone one of the flights happened while I was driving to visit my college to see if I should go to school there, and I heard it on the radio. You know, um, but what what happened between uh, uh, 1961, where my country was embarrassed by being beat by the Russians? Talking about Sputnik and and, and Yuri Gagarin. Uh, what happened in that decade of the 60s is so unbelievable and so impossible. And you compare it to what happened after that. It's, it's embarrassing. Uh, by the way, that's a subject of my talk on Saturday <laughs> in the Theater in the Woods. <laughs> and my talk tonight at eight o'clock I'm going to give you some uh, impressions of what a very astute writer. Uh, uh, his observations. He uh, did. He did five five hours of video. Uh, you probably haven't seen it. It wasn't on CNN or CBS. W- those were boring compared to to this this thing that I'm going to talk about. Uh, at uh, eight o'clock tonight. Uh, it's hard for me to read that to you without crying. It, it really is hard. And I think you will feel that emotion also when you see, when you see what happened from the standpoint of a, of a human perspective and people that were close to what happened on that moon landing. That we're celebrating from 50 years ago, um, I, I hope that you'll you'll agree with me that that uh, uh, we didn't get the right message just watching TV, and uh, I I, I want to share that with you uh, tonight at 8 o'clock at the theater. Theater in the woods. In the woods. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, Bert, if this uh, crowd here in our uh, Adventure welcome center is any indication i 'm going to suspect that uh, eight o 'clock tonight theater in the woods is going to be packed
2: uh, i don 't know I, I hope I hope folk will uh, will see that it 's very rare for me to give a public uh, excuse me to give a talk in uh, jointly with my brother. Uh, we did it at the Air Force museum uh, last year and uh, and it was it was fun to do. Well, excellent. Uh, by the way, we're he's really mellowed now that he's more than 80. We, we're getting along yeah. really good now. That's <laughs> <laughs> true.
1: <laughs> hey.
0: Well, Bert, we are uh, just about up against the time limit for the for I want to so recognize Brent Regan,
2: f- by the way, who did okay. all the all the uh, systems. The engine installation, propulsion, the the pneumatics, electricals and so on for Skiegel. and uh, he's done a bunch of other things. Uh, he he will be presenting. He will be presenting during my talk on Friday at 11:30 at Theater in the Woods. So uh, uh, be sure to be there because he's the smartest guy in the world. Really is. Wow.
0: Coming from you, it's, that
2: is. This is, this is it, it's, it's so wonderful to, to be friends with, with people that I thought when I moved up to the backwoods of Idaho it would be different. But no, there's, there's, some, there's some phenomenal, unbelievable uh, technology going on up there.
0: Well, Bert, uh, we are uh, up against the clock. I know you wanted to keep it short and we've kept you long. So we cannot thank you enough uh, for coming. No, you can sit down for a second, okay. but thank you so much for, for taking some time to join us. Uh, people always ask us, you know, what's your favorite episode? And they're, they're all our favorite episodes, but this one's gonna stand in my memory for a long, long time. This has been a real privilege. Can we get a round of applause, ladies and gentlemen, for Bert Rutan, The Inimitable.
1: Thank you.
0: All right. Well, as Bert exits, remember we've got one more thing to do. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Thanks to all of you out there who listen. Thanks to those of you who take the time to share feedback on iTunes or feedback at EA.org or on our blog, inspire.ea.org. And with that, keep the uh, good feedback coming. And until next time, when you're cleared to land, on the green top. I'm in love with each and every one of you. Thank you very much, everybody.